Hey everyone, no fancy intro this time. We're just gonna get into where we left off in part one. Let's go. If a woman wants to do it and mm. can, then I say they can do it. And they're, I'm not saying should do it, but a man doesn't have to feel like, no, 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 you can't do that. Yeah. And so that for us has been so, I don't know if you're going anywhere I'll with- I'll get into that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll get into that. I think that's uh, somewhere near the end. We'll do the three hour session. Yeah. So uh, to follow up on that, was it har- ever hard for you to tell- us kids that you loved us because i i've heard it growing up well i wouldn't normally have done that myself because i wouldn't have been that guy to do that but because your mom and her family does that like they routinely say i love you to each other and i used to say that to her i said oh well they routinely say it they don't I, and I'm being just open that it sounds like it just can roll off your tongue. Mm. And so that used to be what kind of bothered me. I thought, I don't want to just say it just because the expectation is this is how I end a conversation. Mm. Because you don't necessarily mean it. It could just be a salutation. Yeah. Right. And so I, because I wasn't raised with that, my side of things, then it wasn't like I'm going to use that every single time just for the sake of saying it unless I really actually think about meaning that and so that's why we've been good for each other because we want to be in the place where we say it and we say it and we mean it so that actually should hopefully show right Mm -hmm. because you never you didn't say it a lot but you did say it yeah. Like I can't remember hearing it like a hundred times, <laughs> but I can definitely remember hearing it five or six. I, could, I don't think I could point to the certain times, but. So my generation would have grown up saying my parents love me. I know it. They don't need to say it. Mm-hmm. See, that's, and so that's what they would, that's what we would hear from. That's what we would hear in our heads really from them is that they aren't saying it, but they are behaving like it. I would say this generation is not necessarily behaving like it, but we hear it. Mm. So you can go extremes one way or another, and I'm not saying I know that for sure, but I'm just, you want to have times where you don't say it. You don't have to say some things just because it sounds right to say, oh, I love you. Because to me, at times, it's not really the thing I'm going, I don't really want to just, I don't want to say it. I'm not, I, I may be, I, it's just because it was so uncomfortable for so long that I don't want to say I love you to some person just because it's the right thing to say mm-hmm. so that, you know, the person should know I love them by my action yeah, or actions or Cause my it can demeanor. Because it can be just as hurtful for a son or daughter to hear I love you and then be walked out on and it's like did they right. they didn't love me right um but I put out something on my I put out a question on my Instagram yesterday on the way up to the cottage I said what is one question you you've always wanted to ask your dad and about three or four of them said why didn't you ever say I love you mm-hmm. and so it seemed like a lot of the questions that I got from the input from from my followers and friends was more of on the pain side of lack of communication and emotion 
than being overly communicative of emotion, which is what I see in a lot of my conversations with throughout this podcast and in the books I read is it never hurts to over communicate emotion, but it almost always hurts to under communicate it. Right. It's, but the thing is, is sometimes people are, are busy and they're just happy enough to be busy. And then, Oh, by the way, I love you. Right. So there's, to me, it's, uh, the whole thing. Context matters. So actually, uh, Sometimes people don't know you love them by your actions, even though that's what's meant by my actions as a parent. A parent could actually do something that may be not so lovingly looking to a child or a young adult because they're actually, and they, they can't finish the, what they're doing by saying, I love you because it's not the, the child or person's going to say, it doesn't feel like you love me. It doesn't feel like you love me. Therefore, I'm not going to use the words I love you because the action I'm doing is maybe... Beyond my current frame of reference. Right. Yeah, that makes you sense. only learn those things as you get a bit older. And some, and even in your other podcasts, right? Some, you know, the odd person will say something not necessarily that positive in their life work to a benefit in their life. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying a bad thing. Right. So it can't be like a bad. I mean, I, I remember even when parents used to strap children, they'd say this hurts you more than it hurts me. Yeah. And so the, what they're saying is I love you, but I'm helping shape your character by discipline. Right. And I'm not going to say I disagree with that. It depends how. But people say, oh, you're still having corporal punishment. Well, Corporal punishment comes in different levels. If you beat a child, that's not loving, Mm -hmm. right? But there are times when you think, you know what? For their behavior right now, words aren't working. And putting you in a corner, they're just going to deny, the child's not going to behave like that. And so the thing that might have to happen is spanking, a discipline of some sort. And it doesn't have to be stretched out. It's It can be even a warning at first, right? And yeah. if they don't take you at face value, then then they may be... I was wondering if this might go here. I was like, oh, what, are we going to talk about spanking on the on the podcast? Because I didn't... We, I don't, rarely, we you know, rarely ever did, did with you guys, no. almost because most of the time it worked. Your mom had a forceful, forthright... Um, and, you know, like we listened to... <laughs> tapes on parenting so and they are helpful and actually you can as parents i we i had especially me i mean i didn't know anything about parenting so that was really good for me some of them and it wasn't about punishment and stuff it was mostly about uh how to love kids but there's a with children there's a a point where some discipline is necessary because out in the real world it happens, right? When you turn into an adult and you're working, it's not like you're getting disciplined at work, but it's sort of like that sometimes. Yeah. And if if you aren't used to it, you just think no one has the right to tell me what to do. That is something that I see a lot in my generation. And I I never I was spanked a handful of times, but I was I never feared you and I never felt like that was a bad thing, but there's there's people out there that I know think that when they're disciplined, it means their parents or someone doesn't love them when I think it's the exact opposite. And I, mm. 
I fundamentally believe that you as my dad don't have to support everything I do, but one, I don't care. And two, I don't see the lack of support of things that I've done in my life as you not loving me. I just see it as lack of not supporting the action, which you fundamentally disagree with. It's not about not supporting me. It's about not supporting the action. And if you could separate those two things, I think a lot of people conflate the two things, which mm-hmm. I feel like I've always been, not always, but I feel like I'm able to do. Yeah. Well, every, I mean, when I was 24, I wasn't listening to everything my parents said, that's for sure. Yeah. Because uh, it's not out of rebellion. It's just there were, there. every generation is different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your generation is different than mine, and that's kind of the big part of it. It's just a different generation, not good, not bad, different. And so if a parent sees that, then, uh, you know, that's the way it works better. And no one has to get frustrated about uh, disobedience or, you know, bad choices. Sooner or later, hey, if you make bad choices, I'm the kind of guy that says, you're going to pay the price. I, yeah. Not me. It's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to take it on as my problem either. Well, that means I'm not going to bail someone if they get into a choice-related issue unless it's severe that needs help, right? I, I mean, think you say that now, but you've helped many people. Sure. <laughs> you're, Dad, you're very generous and compassionate. I, know, I don't think if any of us... But if they kids, get themselves into trouble over and over... See, yes. Then that's when you talk about tough love a little bit more. Yeah. But I don't think any of us, I'm not really into the tough love thing that much, but you're not uh, into it that much, but sometimes you practice it. Sure. Or you talk like you're going to practice it. Yeah. Um, as okay. This is one's more fun and loose, I guess. But, um, what was different with me as the fourth child? Um, did you find it easier or harder at that time? Because there's, for everyone that doesn't know, I have two sisters and a brother that are older than me. I'm the youngest of four. Um, was was I easier or harder? Um, uh, let me think. Most of you were kept in line, let's say, not by me so much, but by your mother, because she has more of a forthright demeanor, and so that made it easier for me as a father. It's actually a lot easier because I knew I wasn't that parental in some ways. But when she's always wanted to be a mother, and so by wanting to be that, she wanted to be a good mother. And whatever that might look like, it's not so easy to say what you know that could be for anyone else. But for her, she worked at it. She's actually wanted, and from her mother, she learned how to be a good daughter. And so she wanted to raise, especially probably on the daughter side, more, you know, daughters that are engaged with her as a mother and then sons who would be two. But it's a little different because, you know, boys, girls, the whole thing. Right. And so she's more engaging. But um, with you, I don't know, you kind of fell in line really with the rest of the program. (laughs) But every personality, like I always said to your mom, if we cranked out more kids, like 100 kids, they'd all be different. That's the weirdest thing, right? You get two people and you have, you know. uh, Sex. Let's say you (laughs) you only have one child, then you kind of don't have much frame of reference for... Your gene pool? The alternatives of 
child rearing whatever you've got like each of them have a different way so some are maybe easier it seems than others their personality isn't demanding let's say so you just think oh you know but once you start having two three four five six whatever then you realize wow these same two people could still turn out different personalities the combinations are infinite mm -hmm. really and so you don't know what you get until they start growing because they all are the at the same when they're babies they're to me all the same mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm a guy though but uh then they their personalities start to develop fairly young i kind of remember with hillary i always thought there was some intriguing uh dimensions to her personality that were quite young mm -hmm. right and she kind of wanted to be obstinate at times, but she, because the Michael and Katie, her older siblings were not so much, then you're the younger one. You kind of think, I have to fall in line. And especially when my mom tells me this, and then she says, yes, mommy, or I say, yes, daddy, then it really challenges that little will. Mm -hmm. But she sort of stands out as far as youngest being mm -hmm. interesting in a certain way where all the rest of you kind of as you turn into you know michael as a teenager versus katie as a teenager then hillary there's all sorts of differences and then you i mean you were more engaging in high school maybe than the other three even though they all were doing different things but you kind of are more people related although you know katie obviously is michael is and hillary not so much actually but she can be right <laughs> yeah everybody stands out in one way or another and we or we want to be quieter or less upfront you'd like being more upfront it seems seemed and so as you go that route then you you know we have to figure out how to deal with this person who's uh you know kind of working his way through figuring out how to be in high school let's say <clears throat> being in the band dealing with mr what's his name caswell <laughs> um and saying things you know bluntly but our other kids maybe didn't say them bluntly like that how do you know i was blunt with mr caswell oh i remember all, some of that do you what, yeah, what yeah. happened with mr caswell i don't well i don't know specifics but oh, i know okay. and he's He's a blunt guy, so when you do that, you ask for I had to, it back. I had to be blunt back. Which for, you know, and as a teenager, it's you kind of have to be careful because you're the young person compared to him, right? Yeah. He's the teacher. but I remember one incident. That was bad. <laughs> but we let you become whoever you are uh, because, you know, why try it? You can't really shape. You shape it to some degree, but it's the person becomes their own person. But along the way you each of me or your mom or other people they get what they get right and so you know you've gone and tried different things and you have big expectations so we just say all power to you go for it right <laughs> yeah do it yeah my my parents have always been very much luke whatever you're the one with big dreams here so uh, it's up to you to go get them um yeah you can pour some water before i ask the next question don't worry we got a little bit more to go <laughs> okay i'm getting hungry <laughs> um this is where i think it gets really good so it might take a bit longer um 
what did you want to instill in us, meaning uh, Michael and I, as young men? We're going to go to kind of more the fatherhood side of things now. (laughs) I let Tim the tool man do that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, no. (laughs) No, well, I mean, I... Even so, when I was younger, that's the thing. When I was a younger guy, my dad didn't say much to me. I don't remember anything that he said uh, around sex ed. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything about um, most. I can't even think what he. We just talked about things of life, really, and not man to man. Because the only time, actually, the only time I really sat in or was with my dad in confined settings was when I learned to drive. So when I was Hmm. 16, I got my beginner's license, they called it. Then you had to go out with someone to drive in the car who sits there and makes sure you don't get in an accident or do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to be, I loved, I wanted to drive. So the day I turned 16, my mom took me to the test. And so I passed it. And as soon as I came out from the writing the test, she sat in the other side of the car. I sat and she said, oh, you're driving home. Mm-hmm. And I sat in the, and this was a big car. This is 1972 Biscayne, big Chevy, right? And I remember I've mentally studied what it means to drive, but I've never sat in the driver's seat, never turned the key, never mm. put my foot on the the gas pedal or the brake pedal. Mm-hmm. And on that day, when I pass, she says, okay, you're driving home. That's my mom. Sometimes I, you would be surprised how bold she could be when you think that's not like grandma. You'd think, um, yeah, this guy's not even safe driving because he doesn't have a clue what he's doing. What actually putting the foot down on the gas on this three thousand pound vehicle and driving home. And so that was the weirdest thing because I got in there, did it. And it felt really strange driving the first time. It was like, this thing was huge. It was all over the road. It felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I had a clue about the gas pedal, the brake pedal, and the steering wheel, but that's it. Yeah. But actually doing it, it was kind of scary. Anyways, my dad would be the guy that normally took me out for learning how to drive, but I don't remember our conversations. They didn't seem like much but um that was one time when we were together mm-hmm. and so at least i remember that right when we were so but we, he didn't yeah. talk about manhood things he might have asked generally how's school how's work but it's always not very such an Depth. open-ended question that it's very hard to answer with more than like oh okay it's going good yeah good things like that right he never asked about girls although he saw any girls that i went out with and he was friendly man so you know he's friendly with whoever but um uh he didn't really give much direction and i'm guessing because his dad didn't so i probably was similar right i Mm -hmm. just thought i didn't get much direction uh there's certain things in life that you learn by osmosis or by seeing what your dad does, how he is with his wife, your mom. Uh, but um, I didn't really use words words to teach you. This is how you treat a woman. This is how you know you behave in public. Um, yeah, a lot of that was through watching. Yeah. But what what would you say is the most important thing 
that you wanted us to take away from from you as a father uh what's the most important thing i don't know i haven't really <laughs> thought through what the most important thing would be other than uh you know it's life right you're how to live life um some of the things would be spiritual life uh that's always a big thing for me but uh i'm still very um tight-lipped about how i deal with that everything in my life i kind of just keep it not keep it to myself but it's more um it's internalized to me therefore it can't be internalized to you because it's this is these experiences are my life and they're not going to ever be anyone else's experience all these different all these different people in my life my cousins my relatives going to the cottage or you know growing up in london growing up in the other side of london growing going to church in london you know there's so many different elements that are me it's not just my mom and dad it mm -hmm. could be my the friends some people are affected hugely by just friends or or a desire to be an accomplishing person there's all kinds of i wasn't really a lot of those things life kind of for me kind of happens mm -hmm. i don't impose my will on it or but there are times when i'm somewhat directive so i'm very mm -hmm. inconsistent about you are parts of my behavior not how i respond hopefully no i'm consistent but there's there's um openness to change and ideas and things and so i just figure if you see that then that's a good thing and you are very action-based but the thing with that is that you have to hope that your kids are observant enough right which is a problem i think for young men a lot of the time yeah is that it takes us a while to observe <laughs> um what about your daughters was there anything that that you wanted to instill in them that was different than your sons or was um it no it's probably pretty much all the same because I can't say, you know, you, because I'm a male, I don't actually, men and women are different completely in many ways. Yes. There's elements to humanity well, that, that doesn't are similar, have to be, but a lot of that is through relationships with their fathers. Yep. Well, yeah. So as a dad, you want to care for your wife, your children, like girls, but I don't make them princesses. No. So I've never been, and thankfully my dad didn't treat my sisters like princesses. This is just me. Um, because I that means their husband has to treat them like a princess down the road. I don't think that's a positive thing. No, why not? Because they aren't princesses. <laughs> They're lovely people, right? Who deserve respect, but right. not a totem pole. Right. And so, you know, um, it's a pretty self-centered generation right now, I would say. For sure, when I was younger, yeah, I was self-centered too. But every generation, or I'm, it's hard to say every generation, but we only know the last few. But, um, and some generations might be more giving. If you have to give your life in war, that sounds pretty self-sacrificing to me. And I'd... I can't even imagine it actually, but, uh, right. And so that's why I say that's we're, I you know, so I just figure you treat 
if you treat people well um, and with respect and encouraging, honoring, um, there's a lot of good things. And um, with children, so as a parent, so when you, you won't know this till you're a father, right? Is that when you have children, then there's different personalities there, right? So you're going to try and treat them the same. So my parents, actually, the one thing was my mom and dad always were very equal in treatment with me and my two sisters. So if one got one thing, then we all got something. So they were very fair. They weren't, my my dad actually was never biased towards any one of us, right? Um, no favoritism. <clears throat> my mom, same thing. She tried, she would have said, you know, they just weren't favoritism people. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually good. It gives balance and in a home, very good. Because uh, if you have favoritism, it's not good for the other. It's good for the one who's favored, it yeah. seems. But it actually isn't so good because then the others, there's jealousy, which is not a good characteristic. There's envy or whatever it is, right? So, um, and then there's anger. And so... I just think we've tried, your mom and I, with mainly to be fair and equal, even though all the personalities are different. Yeah, mom always says that Uncle Bruce told her once, you can't be, you can't treat unequals equally, but you can still be fair to them. She said that's one quote that she always says by Uncle Bruce mm -hmm. and, and how she raised us right. as people and and we all got our own things but things that benefited us as individuals but we were still treated equally right however that works right um what is your biggest fear about how you raised um me and michael is there anything that you fear about how what you did or any regrets or mistakes that you think you made along the way no well as that uh, well i mean if it's basically once you once you move out of the house and then, you know, have turn into whoever you start turning into, right? There's always this, you're not, we're not sure. Cause I mean, I, I was the same way, right? I just thought around that 20 ish or early 20s, depending, I don't know, late teens, early 20s, you late teens, you may, and in your teens, you may have this rebellious point or something. Some people do, some don't. Um, you may have, or when you leave your parental home, some people do turn into not the best person sometimes, or maybe a better person sometimes, depending on the home. And so a home helpfully is the place like ours where you get the best upbringing we can possibly give. And then you're not really our responsibility anymore mm -hmm. to some degree my kids are all of you are now uh because even if i said do this or do that to any one of you you probably wouldn't do it right if it was something you didn't want to do so why ask why make myself frustrated over that so your personalities have been developed and now your choices are happening whatever obviously picking someone for the rest of your life that's a big choice like that's a huge one there's certain huge ones and then there's obviously lots of smaller ones and but sometimes smaller ones are big ones you know like you i didn't know my life would end up 
going from London to Toronto, I never even thought of that as a huge thing, but it ended up looking back as huge mm -hmm. because you guys grew up in a totally different place than your mom and I. Like we grew up uh, with this other totally different culture. So fortunately we got, we had, it came, we came through this, I think as well as you could for the huge change, right? For the change that we went through, we just managed it as it, as it came. And so, but that's why I say anything in your life, if you're help, if you're prepared in life as best as possible, then you make, you can make best choices. Not always. Sometimes we do irrational choices, but then we also get the results of that uh, and pay the price. If people can pay the price on bad decisions, mm -hmm. that's why, you know, you try to set us up to not do that. Right. I mean, even at my age, I can still make bad decisions if I'm not careful. Every, all the way along in life, there's lots of opportunity to make bad choices as much as there are to make good choices. And so that, I'm not even sure how that's determined sometimes because, uh, but I'm not overly emotional person. That helps. An emotional person might make more often not the best choices at times, but they make interesting choices sometimes, right? More than yeah. I might. So there's Daring. not good or bad necessarily. Yeah. But it's, uh, but anyways, you guys are, you're all at the place where, you know, and we basically support uh, the things you're doing. Uh, you know, that's what our role is. And because why fight things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal, right? If you, if people, adults, parents fight things, then, you know, that your children aren't going to want to be around you and then you won't see your grandchildren, right? Or things like that. So it's not to say we just take everything and say, oh, well, whatever, but uh, Pick and choose. your mom's more engaging than I am. So that's helpful. And then I in some ways I kind of listen in on things, right? Yeah. I, that's how I like life. I can listen in. Then you kind of go, oh yeah, okay. And then I'll talk about that. But I don't need, I'm not an initiator person to think of, oh, you know, they can, here's 10, uh, give me 10 quick good ideas about something. I can't think of any. Yeah. That's me. But if I start hearing one or two, then I might go, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And then I hear another, oh yeah, that's a good one. And then I think of one, right? You get stimulated or initiated that way. But yeah. Two more questions about you being a father, then we'll transition to me. <laughs> um, okay, so why was it important to you to to marry such a strong woman? We've talked about it a bit, but uh, be, well, actually, when you so going out with a few different kinds of women, you start to see, you know, that there's these different personalities or whatever, right? So you kind of go. Some people are the are the type of person you want you would date, but you would never marry. Let's say, so, and so I realized I probably thought, man, some of the, you know, I wasn't overly interesting in some ways. I mm -hmm. wasn't raised to be uh, inquisitive and try five languages, play the three different instruments, uh, travel the world. I none of that was in front of me, and I was working full time and all of that. But anyways, it was. 
so that's just not me but um you start to see uh different kinds of women and then there's strong ones that i'm not interested in let's say and not strong ones that i could be interested in mm. so so strength wasn't really a core one it was just one that you right i'm just trying to think back now i mean it's a long time ago but uh i actually wanted someone uh with solid christian principles and where i was looking i wasn't seeing that so that's why and even in a church scenario you may not see that either right like mm -hmm. that's just the way it is so when i met your mom that she was a person uh that was with strong uh, characteristics but not necessarily overwhelming see because that there's a balance to me i didn't want to be overwhelmed because i was i'm older than mm -hmm. her by you know six years so i have a different kind of maturity but also there's an immaturity and so i had to i just thought you know what she seemed to have some of the, the characteristics that i thought of a a good person solid person and fun enough like fun wasn't her main thing but fun is fleeting right mm -hmm. as far as longevity and life and all that so fun is okay i wasn't into over fun but i'm not into over serious because i like to have fun you're too. goofy and be what you know so uh, you just have to find a person to me to who's strong-willed and yet um core values engaging um she enjoyed my parents uh i i kind of the one thing that was really interesting and this is after we were married um because well i remember growing when i was in my teens and my sisters were dating and my dad like i say he could have he could get pretty out of hand um at times and it didn't show up when you first see them the girls dating but after a couple of years right they're going to start to see what my dad how strong-willed he could be and mm -hmm. opinionated or whatever and so that was a bit shocking i think for some of them and my and so like their partners yeah, yeah so the guys mm -hmm. um same for me then it's going to be well if i'm going to be with some female can she handle my dad or what's he what's it going to be like right and so I, but anyways it worked he, they really liked trish because she had a strong way but my mom would say she's goey which yes. was friendly that was a british term for saying in a nice way she's you know a go-getter she's fun and engaging but they she also was like my my parents were thrown off because your mom is much more direct like and that's not our normal so mm -hmm. being that direct is almost offensive if you aren't careful because it's like oh well uh you think you're right see that's how it can be engaged interpreted so anyways i remember one time where my dad was about to get quite mad about something and what he would do is he'd blow up is what you call it and that was never a pretty scene so i remember whatever it was we were on copthorne ave and 
uh, Scarborough, and that's where we were living. And I, I don't even remember what it was, but anyways, and you only you weren't even born. I'm sure it was just maybe Michael and Katie at the most. And some reason he was getting really angry, and I can tell when this is happening because I see it coming. Like mm-hmm. I've seen it from all my life. Well, like, we could kind of tell when you were getting angry, right? Yeah. But this was going to turn out much worse, and so. Mm-hmm. My dad was just about to get really, really angry. And it was just me and mom and grandma and him at the front door. And your mother went up and hugged him. So she put her arms around and gave him a big hug. Mm. And this is right before my dad is about to blow up. We're talking serious blow up. Like we're talking anger where he would leave the door. He would leave on his own and slam the door behind him even, even at that age that could still happen and before just before just the moment before that was going to happen and i wasn't ready for this either trish goes up and hugs him and says i love you or whatever she said and my dad just deflated right before my eyes and i thought that was like the thing that probably needed to happen every single time where he got like this because mm. he turned into a big teddy bear like happened. thing happened. See, Another Dad, thing bad. masculinity. You have to let men. You have to show men love. Well, right. And that your mom. I don't know what went on in her head to make her even think to do that. But so she did that to me more than once. I think because I could get really angry about something, and then I want to, you know, stomp off because that's what my dad did. And then she put her arms around me and say, "I don't." I, the first time I think I went to do it, she just said, "I don't want." us to be like them Mm. and so we never did it that's what happened right so the first time i ever tried to do that was like years after we were married and i just there's a lot of frustration going on in 1994 because i finished one career finished another career so i did all that and then hill well even or mom was pregnant yeah and then uh i was starting a totally new career and no money like it was just, in fact, I might have been on unemployment. I was on on unemployment insurance mm. back then. They called it uh, for six months, and so there's just a lot of things around that. And you're not making money, and you got a family that's growing, and so I was almost going to do the thing where my dad did and blow up. And she did the same. She just hugged me and said, "You know, I love you, and I don't want us to be, you know, like that." that response that triggered response which is really not good and so because as you said earlier you were you end up going to your old family ways anyways even if it's six years yes without it even if it's 20 years if you aren't careful so that's when we decided not to behave or have that that kind of response behavior whatever so um anyways that's where that's why a strong-willed woman so would you call yourself a nurturing father i think so um nurturing but i'm not like i say i'm not using i'm i'm in some ways not overly parental uh i i'm more supporting of your mom and things like she's more of an initiator and then i kind of oh yeah that's a good idea and then go (laughs) along with that right i've my family we just didn't initiate parenting style right Mm -hmm. it was just this is what it is right that's what my aunts and uncles and all that on i you know i never saw i never saw that anywhere in my life where people chose to be a certain kind of parent um it's just 
this is the way people are that's mm-hmm. that's that person even if it is a parenting style oh well that's just the way they do it right that's what they say to each other that's how they treat each other you know every home's unique and i'm guessing every home is unique mm-hmm. but because i'd call you a, a nurturing father yeah i think supportive maybe more so supportive not even like well i guess more supportive in the way of you let us be us and make mistakes right and you don't force anything um and you just we know what you expect of us but we you don't force your expectation on us right i'll let you close the window don't worry dad it's getting chilly and up in this cottage Okay, now we're going to turn to questions about me. All right. Um, so, and you can feel free to ask any too, but um, what would you want me to be better than, no, okay, what would you want me to be better than you at as a man or a future father? Probably more initiative on uh, maybe fathering or husbanding, whatever it is, you know. Um, uh it's probably because that's your generation. You need, well, I'll say this. You, you, your people are raised now kind of with some expectations of uh, a father engaged in their kids' lives. And so ours was a transition age, I think, mm-hmm. where they went from being um, just uh, like, where I would have probably done, I think like, we took you to hockey or baseball or whatever it is, right? So, mm-hmm. but in some ways, I, there wasn't overly engaging in conversation, let's say even going to a game. But I mean, I don't really talk about issues and things like that with you guys. Um, your mom does it more. Mm-hmm. And so you may be the one that does it more in your marriage or as a father you might be that person more so than the person your wife because she may not have been raised with you know it's you guys are more like outspoken or that way not because of me Mm -hmm. but because um you know you got more of that from her because that's their that's the upbringing that your mom had mm-hmm. where mine wasn't a challenging my upbringing we weren't we weren't supposed to challenge uh our parents mm-hmm. that's just uh unsaid maybe reality or truth mm-hmm. so you can take more initiative probably um i'm guessing maybe when you get married and uh say things teach things Mm -hmm. i'm not the teacher in our home so much your mom is she did the homeschooling and a lot of it is just beyond all of that too right it's Mm -hmm. not just homeschooling it's other areas of life teaching but you know the i didn't not support it like you have a man or a person the parent that takes initiative more the other parent has to support that because if they don't then you're probably going to have two opinions flying at the kids. And then a favorite parent. 
well, two opinions that could be challenging each other, meaning this is the way your mom sees things. This is the way your dad sees things. You got to choose. <laughs> now you're caught. And that's more difficult. Whereas we were part of the parenting we did when a, one of the tapes, I remember Brant, I think his name was, he said, if your minds are not together, they're not together. Mm. So parents have to have their minds together. Because if not, kids will play off of the one or the other. And you never let us do that. No. And that's no. why we didn't, because we heard that and we thought, oh, we should, uh, I shouldn't say, you know, what did your mom just say or ask you what, did your mom tell you anything? And then mm -hmm. say the opposite. Yeah. Just out of spite. Well, we all, I always remember going to you first because you'd be the more lenient one. And then I'd say, I'd ask the question, can I go over to this person's house or this person's house or can I do this? Can I have the car? And you'd say, what'd your mom say? Right. And then you'd catch me. It would be a gotcha moment um, and I'd have to then go ask my mom. Well, or I, <laughs> or if you hadn't been told, then we'd just say, well, then I, I'll say, yeah, you can go. Yeah. Like, it's not. We would try to make sure we weren't being played off. Yes. Because then they'll always pick the easier one that they want to get what they want, a child, right? So that's why we did that. And then, but you want your children because as a married couple, so here's the answer that's even better. As a married couple, you don't want that to happen because you want your marriage to keep going. Mm -hmm. See, if one realizes that the kids are playing off the other parent, then that doesn't make it good for your marriage because now you're going to have, the kid goes off, does his own thing, and now the parents are mad at each other. Mm -hmm. And that's a bad thing in marriage where parent, the husband and the wife are always at odds. being at odds and the kids know how to play off of that. Mm -hmm. They have their own selfish little wills. That's how it works. Yep. Every person is pretty self-centered. And, you know, I want what I want. And so whatever it takes to get that, if a child realizes fairly early on how to do that, then they'll always play it off even though it's not good for them and it's certainly not good for the marriage of mm -hmm. their parents. So that's a big thing, what we've went through and decided on, right? Yeah. And so then our minds are together. Yeah, and mom always said... Even if I disagreed with her maybe about something and then we decided on one way, it's my way, you know, the way I mm -hmm. said or the way she said, uh, you could still have disagreement in a husband and wife, but at least it's not not that often. Mm -hmm. And so you then you work with that, right? Yeah. And and mom always said um, how you two show love to each other is an example of how we will show love to our partners in the future. And you showing love to mom was an example of how much you loved us as children. Right. Um, those are things that she always said. Um, so then to kind of follow up on that question would be, what would you think I'd want to change about myself in relation to you? I'll go with that again. What do you think that I'd want to change about myself in relation to you? Like what would I see kind of about you that I'd want to change? That So that a, per, a trait that you don't want that is like one of my traits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. I'm trying to think. Give me an idea. No, well, you you actually answered it with uh, the last one. Did I? 
being more initiative, having yes. more initiative. That's sort of the same kind of response from that question, I guess. Yeah. I well, I wasn't expecting you to. But I figure you will, because your your personality is more that that personality. Yeah. That's I think the one thing that I'd want to change right. personally about myself is because, um, right. I think the one area that I feel like. I struggle with you yeah. is the fact that we didn't have those conversations about sex mm. or women or this thing or that. And that I, there was a bit more right. guidance there because I'm kind of going off my notes. Here. Right. Right. Um, I think that in relation to you not sharing those things, how you've internalized them. And this has been clarity for me because but beginning of this, I didn't know this was your whole kind of philosophy. So that's good there. Um, but I've always struggled with coming to you with a lot of these things in my life because of your spirituality. Mm. And um, I don't subscribe to Christianity right mm. now in my life. And so I found it very difficult to have those conversations with you about sex or women because a lot of the times it comes back to the Bible in which I just tune out and I right. don't care. And so I've never, I've not never, I've always really struggled with having those conversations with you where they just become you and I and not Bible re related. And I know it's not your intent, um, but like I think that Christianity conversation has been a big barrier in getting to know more about you in my life mm -hmm. because you know and i know that you'll still love me but i know the bible says these things are wrong or or some of the things i've done in my life are wrong and so the opportunity cost of being open with you is less than the conversation i think is worth if that makes any sense mm. like i know that you'll still love me but right. i have trouble coming to you with those things because I know that you'll be disappointed or I know that it's not biblical and therefore I feel like I, a lot of the things, you know, are Bible and I, that's one thing that I've mm -hmm. struggled with you and, and I guess our relationship is, is that. And then I also struggle with you not thinking I'll be, you not being of the proud of the man I am because of that, because I'm not Christian, um, and then I also fear that I won't ever live up to the bar that you've set in my head of the expectation expectation that I have of myself to be a better man than you are. Mm. Because I tell people a lot, like my friends, is if I'm 50% of the man that you are, then I'm a great man. Mm. But I I do struggle with the idea that I will be as good of a man as you, and I don't know how to be better than you <laughs> because you are... An amazing father you're an amazing man mm. and i have to i put pressure on myself to want to be better than you but i honestly honestly struggle with thinking that i ever could which i i think is reverse from a lot of the guys that i talk to is that they want to be better than their dads and it should be really easy but they're worried they're going to fall into the trap that they're the same as their dad mm. to me i wish i was the same as you and i don't think i ever will live up to that well let's a compliment anyways <laughs> but i mean with the whole christian focus i mean that's 
that's to me how I get there. Mm-hmm. It's Which not is why why it has yeah. to be to be the way that sounds. I mean, it because you the expectation is that that's what a person gets to, rather than you know in the media and that they make it sound like oh the almost the worst guy is the Christian guy or you know he because he falters on something then you know he's a hypocrite mm-hmm. but the problem for people is is that uh the being a christian is impossible in a sense and that's why there is human failure because we you know i make a choice if i make a strong christian choice then that is an asset like it helps me and that's what turns me into the better person but if i I can still choose against it too because mm. of my own weaknesses. And that's the the thing, right? I mean, that's, so you're holding a person up in high regard. So, so I'm holding up Jimmy Carter in high regard, but it's a lot to do with his being a Christian man. Mm-hmm. And, but he would feel very weak himself because he's, even at 90 or whatever, because he has to still make those right choices, right? And that's meaning he's not making a a self-desiring choice sometimes too. Mm -hmm. And so that is the issue. I'm not trying to be a better father. I'm just trying to be a better man for what I'm saying is, that reason mm-hmm. is a, a spiritual reason it's not a religious reason it's actually a spiritual reason and therefore i can't even take credit for turning into that because mm-hmm. it wasn't and my i my idea yeah and i know that which is why i don't i don't get like mad at it because hey. i know that you love your relationship with jesus and yeah. and yeah. the bible and i don't get mad at that because right. it's, i think it's a beautiful thing i just it's more gets in the way. It gets in the way because yes. I, I can't relate to you on a non-spiritual level. And when you when you talk about things, it becomes spiritual very quickly. Um, in, Can do. In, a, in a lot of ways. And I've I think I've had that conversation with mom before. Um, but yeah, I've always felt like it's it's been a a block on my heart in yeah. sharing things I go through with you. Right. Right. Which. which is one of the things I'm I'm happy I started this podcast because I've been able to share it with strangers, which right. sounds bad. Right. But you listen and there's seeds there. And you and I have had, I think, more conversations or you've said to me, you're proud of me. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you, you say that these are interesting conversations. And I know with you, that's how you communicate. Um, yeah. that you're listening and supportive and love me. Um, yes. But I think it has been a, a barrier in my own head. And I know that that's how you become a better man. Um, but I, those are the, my honest things that I wrote down here. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard to separate it out, right? Because uh, it's sort of an all or nothing. To me, my spirituality is an all or nothing thing. So uh, that's the way I've, early on in life realized that's why people fail at it or um, uh, don't get better is because they half-heartedly 
look at that. And so because of that, I, that's just how it has to work. If I don't, it's, it's just the way it seems to say that if it's an all or nothing venture <clears throat> and being that it's, uh, it's hard to look at other things in life, uh, from, uh, a different perspective for me because I, that's what you've known for the last 40 years and well, even more and, and studied even my even so I'll, this is something that's kind of strange sounding but even my mom when she had me as a baby when i was born that's when she thinks she became a christian person hmm. even and she'd been raised anglican in england and but it was just nominal in her thinking i mean it was just part like most folks is just there read psalms and they're nice and they they do something for me and so but at some point it became a more ingrained action thing. thing and she told me that once or twice and i was i didn't know what that meant but she just more or less said um and so i've taken that to heart actually and it wasn't that I was a great perfect boy mm -hmm. I certainly wasn't although I was to be honest I was a pretty easy kid um, I still remember myself as a boy but you know it, the teen years kind of get a little muddled because everyone's there's a lot of things going on in mm -hmm. a young boy and young man but then you know at some point you know if there's an impact a spiritual impact and so there is uh, or can be and so that at the impact point I, then i kind of got more serious about a faith a living faith so that made it from then on mm -hmm. so i i can't sort of not see life without that prism everything to me now especially over the years because i i have studied mm -hmm. uh at seminary level and so uh, you know what uh, and it's actually i have other thoughts going on in my head about spiritual stuff too all uh, even more in the last 10 years i mean there's just more dynamic to it that makes it more intriguing to me mm -hmm. it's like an intriguing life so i can tell it it leaves people behind because um i can't talk about it's hard to relate in conversation to things that people don't experience mm -hmm. and that's uh and you like to share those experiences with us, and yeah. that's like, yeah. I mean, for me, those are. I don't get it. Really but at the neat. Same time, it's yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> but I I know I kind of start not showing interest in a lot of other things. That's my problem because I, I it's just so uh, mundane. It's not like I'm trying to do that. It's it's just the way. Uh, and you you put. I remember. I'll never forget the time you came up to me. I was sitting on the couch in the front room. And you put your arm, hand on my shoulder and you looked at me dead in the eye and said, Luke, you will be a prophet for generations to come. And I didn't know what that meant, but I, I've always felt in my head that I've, and I've said it since before I started, since I started this podcast is I believe I have a unique position to, I believe there's something within me where I, I'm with very comfortable sharing myself and talking about these things. And I think that this podcast is going to make big changes in the future. And I really want to see men improve and I want to see myself improve and I want to be a leader in that journey. Yep. Um, so I think often about that time that you came up to me and, hmm. and said that. 
Well, I think, and it, that's why I say it doesn't have to be spiritual. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not and very... You didn't, yeah, you didn't say it had to be like biblical or... I'm not yeah. the kind of guy that can go out and engage in conversation with the kind of different people that you're talking to. And uh, I think at times I think, oh, that's a really good way of saying something, either for who, what you said or what they, they said or answered. And I'm, you know, there's just been different podcasts, different personalities of men on there. And they, I think, I, I think this is, I couldn't handle this personality, but I mean, you can, because you're more open in your, uh, way of conversing and how you're thinking and all that. So I just find it very interesting to hear it all Mm -hmm. because I'm not, I just don't come up with the ideas for things. So it's neat to hear them and what comes out of different people's mouths and how they've, you know, it's a, they're. It's hard to believe that a manhood conversation could be so... How many episodes can you have with it? But yeah. it seems infinite in some ways because you're different different people and they have different life experiences and some are positive, negative. There's everything in between. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, you get to hear it when you're talking to them. Yeah. And I get to hear more and then pull different stories from there. And then I like, I'm reading on it now, so I'm able to pull more from that. But... Are there any things that you wanted to ask me before we end? Uh, me ask you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like you say, I'm not very you're engaging. Not, I know you're things, not very but, engaging. Uh, about coming Anything. up with something. Um, uh, no, I just think it's great. All the conversations that you're having with these different guys, mostly guys. Mm-hmm. There's been one or two women, right? Yeah, there's uh, been one woman. I have another one coming up. Okay. Yeah. And so I just find it interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like with your mom. I mean, I get to hear uh, different things just being around uh, another person because I'm not the in uh, question generator. Mm-hmm. And when and often I just think, oh, I wish I could sit in a room with some pe- uh, person and be talking like I can hear them talking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I'm sitting in the room with a person, it may not be any conversation or just trivial conversation or something and i just think uh i've just never been raised to come up with the and i'm not saying come up with really interesting conversational topics it's just some people are engaging more Mm -hmm. and so that's why i sit in the room and listen to it mostly because i'm not coming up with the idea sometimes i'll jump into the conversation but a lot of times if it's politics and that i stay out you know if it's a if it gets emotionally charged i stay out of it Mm -hmm. you know things like that so but i mean you're not afraid to do all those things so that's kind of good it is good because then you get we get to hear where you're thinking we get to hear where other people are thinking we get to hear not so much if you're saying for and against because uh you're the guy on the mic so Mm -hmm. you can't necessarily disagree out loud with maybe something but yeah i i feel like i I try to challenge them as much as possible but it's more about giving them space to share than it is hey you're right you're wrong i just because i don't think that helps either i just want to figure out what people think which is but there have been a lot of personalities on my podcast i guess Mm -hmm. i just like talking to people yep that's good okay so keep it going doing great that's it here. I'll come over and give give you a hug. Oh, is that what you do with your guests? No. Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dad. Two hours. 
Mm-hmm. Two. Wow. Two hours and ten minutes. Love you. Love you too. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of The Imperfect Pod with my dad. I think that ending was really a full circle way of sending off the message of the entire podcast. And, you know, my goal with this whole, I guess, two-parter episode is to encourage those both men and women out there to reach out to your fathers and have those difficult conversations I've already seen an impact in my relationship with my dad. You know, he's already asked me about potential women in my life that I've been talking to and whatnot. So um, it does work. It does heal. Um, even if you don't think anything's really broken, I didn't think I had a broken relationship with my dad, but I knew that it could get better. And so if I can leave you with one thing, it's reach out to your parents, mom, dad, and have that conversation that you've been wanting to have. And, uh, hopefully it will turn into something positive. I know my dad is pretty cool. Um, and I want to continue to nurture that relationship. And if that's what I can give you and and motivate you to do, then that's what I'm I'm winning and you're winning too. So thank you everyone for tuning in to this two-part series. It's the most ambitious content I've made yet. And I hope you truly enjoyed it. Love.